0: church where our mission is to know jesus to enjoy jesus and to glorify jesus and our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend jesus's love my name is amos williams i'm on staff here at the church and uh, i stood to give a couple of announcements and to you know welcome you all to our gathering so i want to welcome our guests who are here in the building today and also welcome those who are joining us via facebook live We hope that you feel at home uh, and that you feel uh, quite welcoming today. Uh, So, again, I stood to give some announcements, and just like last week, we don't have any new updates. So, uh, no news sometimes is good news. All right, Uh, but there are a couple of uh, housekeeping things that we do want to cover. Uh, You may give to the vision and mission of the Village Church at our church website, which is enterthevillage.net forward slash give. You can mail your check uh, to our physical address, which is 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or if you're here in person, you can drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Also, please follow us on our various social media platforms. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So those are your announcements and updates. Please govern yourselves accordingly. All right, let's uh, go to our Father in a word of prayer. Ask him to bless our time on today. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are merciful and gracious. God, who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But you are a God who will by no means clear the guilty. And since that is your character, God, since that is who you've revealed yourself to be consistently, we put our hope and our trust and our faith in you and in you alone. Lord God, we ask that you would help us to to place our hearts and our minds on the right worship of you today. Center our hearts and minds on worship and on receiving from you uh, what it is that you want to give us today. Spirit, we ask that you would move in a special way, that that you would begin the work of regeneration in the hearts of those who have not yet believed, but you would also uh, continue the work of renewal in those who have believed, that we would all uh, be growing and and be granted faith and repentance, Lord. So, God, in this space, we want to glorify and honor you, and so, Lord, we just ask that you would center our hearts and our minds on you today. Uh, Lord, we we ask that uh, you would just give us uh, the ability to focus and to really uh, take seriously the worship of the triune God. Lord, I thank you uh, that you have brought us all here today. It is in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen. Good
1: morning. If you would please stand with me on this. Sunny Sunday. Thank you for joining us in person. Good morning to all our friends and family out there in Facebook land, wherever you are. This is the day that the Lord has made. Whether or not we feel like it, we should rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. (laughs) Our call to worship this morning is from the song Come Praise and Glorify. Please join me where it notes um, congregation and together. Come praise and glorify our God, the Father of our Lord. In Christ, he has in heavenly realms his blessings on us poured. For pure and blameless in his sight, he destined us to be. And now we've been adopted through his Son eternally. To the praise of your glory, To the praise of your glory and grace. To the praise of your glory, you are the God who saves. Please bow. To the praise of your glory, you are the God who saves. You are the God who hears. You are uh, standing with open arms, bidding us to come. You incline your ear to hear the cries of your people. And we just, um, Father, we just are here this morning to just declare how good you are, how great you are and to take a few moments to meditate on those, on those things that you have rescued uh, enemies from pits. You do that quite well. We praise you for that, for being loving. We praise you that you know all of the things so we don't have to. We praise you that we can cast our care at your feet and we can walk away knowing that you really do care for us. We praise you that um, your banner over us is love, you rejoice over us in singing. And those are the things, Father, honestly, sometimes we're too busy doing all this stuff. to Just slow down and think about that. Think about your love for us. Think about how you predestined us before the foundation of the world. Too busy to say thank you for that last bite of bread that we took or that cup of coffee or the breath that we are breathing right now. So we thank you and we praise you for all of that and as a body we will proclaim the name of the Lord we will praise the greatness of our God you are our rock your works are perfect and all your ways are just you are a faithful God who does no wrong upright and just are you and we have to cling to that because we are uh, regularly pounded with the fact that we live in a very unjust world and that's really hard but God you love mercy you love justice and righteousness and we just cry out to you right now father we need that our country needs that our communities need to see your hand of justice right now we need to be comforted with your word and so i i ask for the church that you would your spirit would move and remind us of those nuggets those promises in your word where you um where you remind us that you are just and that you are kind and that you are good and you hear the cries of the oppressed. That's all through your scripture. Lord, I pray your spirit will bring that to our remembrance right now, God, because we need that comfort. So I guess my prayer of praise is also a little bit of a prayer of lament this morning, but that's an act of praise too. That's an act of acknowledging how great you are. And uh, nothing is beyond your reach. Every situation (laughs) is in your control, and all your promises are yes and amen. And we cling to that this morning. So, God, we love you. We praise you. All power is yours. All glory is yours. Yours is the kingdom and the honor, the glory forever and ever and ever. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please be seated.
2: Go into a confession of faith, and the way that we will do that is by uh, asking and answering three questions from uh, what's called the Heidelberg Catechism. So I will ask the question, and I believe the the answers will be displayed on the screen. Uh, so if you would read them with me. First, in how many things does true repentance or conversion consist? Two things. And what is the dying of the old man? Heartfelt sorrow for sin, causing us to hate and turn from it once more. And then what is the making alive of the new man? Heartfelt joy in God, Christ, causing us to take delight living according to the will of God in all good works. Amen. Thank you for participating in that. Um, and now I'm going to read our, um, our sermon or the scripture from which our sermon is going to be based. Um, if, uh, if you have a, a worship guide, it's actually different than what's printed there. It's, um, verses, uh, it's Matthew 13, verse 24 through 43. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. He said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. And this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him and saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Let him hear. Hey
3: everyone. Hopefully you all are uh, doing well. I I stand before y'all a, a little weary, feeling a little defeated. Uh, just with everything that's happening in our country uh, and things that I'm dealing with in ministry. You know I've you know there's been two more shootings of unarmed black the black man, a Hispanic, 13 year old kid, and that grieves me because I have a son who I don't want to become a hashtag. I'm grieved by the mass shootings in Indianapolis that took the lives of eight people. And just a lot has been going on this week. So in this time of prayer, supplication, I'm going to pray for our country, pray for these victims, praying that hopefully they had a personal walk with Christ because if they did not As Christians, we know where they are now, and I may need y'all to carry me today through this sermon, so please uh, pray with and for me. Father God, I wish I can be a happy-go-lucky type of pastor who always appears to have it together who never struggles with unbelief and discouragement, who can come in here each Sunday and put on the happy pastor face and and give a good sermon. I'm not in that space today. I'm just not. And I'm not going to fake it. I am who I am, and today I'm struggling. And I do pray, Lord, for the victims and people who lost their lives this week in Chicago, Minnesota, and Indianapolis, that I pray that they knew Jesus in faith, that they are with him now. I pray for the families who are left behind, the friends who are left behind to pick up the pieces. There's nothing that we can say. Unless we've lost someone this way, there's no words that we can say that's going to make it feel better. We can post on Facebook. We can hashtag people's names. But, but Lord, but Lord a mom has lost a son father has lost a son. A sibling has lost another sibling. This is their life. And all of us should grieve. All of us should lament. All of us should should have some type of empathy, regardless of our politics, regardless of of our views of justice. When people die, that should hurt us. It should hurt us even more as Christians if they die they don't know, and they don't know Jesus because they die a second time. And Lord, no matter the, the discouragement that we see, no matter how long much we say, how long, Lord, we all are probably saying that. Some of us are not. Some of us have lived, or lived comfortable lives and we don't really have to suffer. But Lord, you're the one thing that's true. You are the one thing that, that keeps really that keeps me sane and lo- from losing my everlasting mind. You are the one constant, the one who was always faithful, the one who is always good despite what we see, despite how tired we are, despite how, how much we just want to throw in a tower and just give up. How much we just want to crawl in a rock and just just say I'm done, but I'm glad that you're not done. That when we can't, you can. When we don't want to, you still. Because that is who you are. And my prayer is that you will help my unbelief this morning. I'm honestly I'm, I'm gonna preach this sermon in unbelief. That's that's the fact of it. I am. I ain't got nothing to offer. But you do. You do. And I pray that you will glorify yourself through a broken vessel who is tired and really want to give up. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. As I said last week, the parables of the way are simple stories and similes and metaphors that Jesus uses to illustrate a spiritual teaching. Uh, These parables are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. And, And remember, the term parable means to throw alongside of. This morning, we're going to walk through three parables uh, that Jesus throw alongside of his teaching to this crowd of people who are standing on the beach uh, listening to him teach from from a boat these are the parables of the mustard seed the parables of uh, the parable of the wheat and weeds and the parable of the leaven that is what we're going to jump into today and before we do I, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to Definitely blessed to preach another word. So please join me again in, in a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, as I often pray each week, I pray that you will take these words, that you will take uh, this message, and that you will glorify Jesus. That you will do it because you can. You are our counselor, you are a helper, and you move in us supernaturally. And so my prayer is that you will minister to my heart, minister to my unbelief, minister to the unbelief of those who are here or tuning in, that like you know what we need to hear. You know the things that we're dealing with. You know our fears and our worries and, and our anxieties. You, you see it all. Even though we can hide it from others, we can't hide it from your watchful eye. And so I pray that you would minister to us for our good and for the glory of of our God and King. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Last week we heard the disciples uh, ask Jesus a question after he told the parable of the sower to this crowd of beach, to the crowd on the beach, and and they come to Jesus and they say, why do you speak to the people in parables? Why is that your method of, of teaching them? And the disciples, they, they wanted to know the purpose of the parables of of the way, and and Jesus answered them in, with these words. He says, "Because to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, the the people that are standing on on the beach, it has not been given to them. For the one who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away." This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, and nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For the people's hearts have grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes are closed. At least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I will heal them. You see, for the people who accept Jesus and his message, the parables have a positive effect. Their eyes and and ears are blessed. They they truly see and they truly hear. They they have been blessed with understanding. But for the people who reject Jesus and his message, the parables have a negative effect. The people see but don't really tr- see. They hear but don't truly hear. They do not have understanding, and that is one purpose of the parables of the way, is what Jesus says in those verses. And a second purpose is penned. It comes from Matthew himself. He pens this in his own words. He's the gospel, the author of this gospel, and he inserts the second purpose in verses thirty-four through thirty-five, after Jesus tells the parable of the wheat and weeds, and the mustard seed and the leaven. So what's the second purpose of parables? Is this. Jesus uses parables in order to fulfill a prophecy in Psalm 78, verses 1 and 2. Look at verses 34 and 35 with me. Matthew writes, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. And Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was what was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will other what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. What, saints, has been hidden since the foundation of the world? What has been hidden that, that Jesus is, is now othering through parables? What's hidden that that, that can't be attained by, by human research and study and effort. Do y'all know? It's the mysteries of the kingdom that have been hidden but are now being made known through the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. And that is an amen statement. Because re- Remember how Christ starts his ministry. Remember the sermon that he preaches. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand it's at hand it's at hand because christ is here is at hand through what christ is doing in his earthly ministry ephesians 1 verses 7 through 10 says in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us, here it is, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purposes, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Jesus, things in heaven, and things on earth. That's the kingdom. Christ's rule. And he's beginning that rule right here in his earthly ministry. Jesus alone reveals the mysteries of the kingdom. And if Christ doesn't reveal it, humanity would never be able to understand it. If he doesn't reveal it. I don't care how much book, how many books we read or how many Bible studies we go to, what seminary you go to, or what theological tradition you hold to. If Christ not, doesn't reveal and if the spirit ain't moving, then you ain't understanding nothing. Period. He makes known God's plan of redemption, a plan which is set forth in Christ, a plan for the fullness of time. And in these parables, it is one way Christ reveals and makes known what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. But do we believe Jesus? Do we believe him? I spy. It's a guessing game that many families and friends and school kids play, usually on road trips. It's a very fun and entertaining game. Our family plays it all the time. I spy. So in this game, one player chooses, chooses an object within sight and announces to other players, I spy with my little eye something red. I spy with my little eye someone in a nice black suit standing up front in the church. And so when the other players will take turns guessing the name of the object or the person. See, Jesus is playing our spy in the three parables before us this morning. And the object he chooses for this game is the kingdom of heaven. He spies with his little eye things about the kingdom. Things that are as clear as day to him, but not clear as day to the crowd of people standing on the beach. They don't understand. For they see, but they don't truly see. They hear, but they don't truly hear. This means, this means every guess they're gonna have to Jesus' game is gonna be wrong. Every time Jesus says, I spy with my little eye something about the kingdom that begins with H, they're gonna get it wrong. I spy with my little eye something about the kingdom that begins with the letter W, they're gonna get it wrong. I spy with my little eye something about the kingdom that begins with the letter R, they're gonna get it wrong. Every time. Matthew introduces each of these I spy parable games with the same phrase. Jesus put another parable before them. This pronoun then refers to the people on the beach, which was introduced back in verse 2. He puts the parables in front of them. This is going to be his version of the I spy game when it comes to the parables of the wheat and weeds, the mustard seed, and the leaven. He spies with his little eye the present reality of the kingdom of heaven will you believe it that's what he sees and the people can't see it he sees the presence the present form of, of god's rule he begins with the parable of the wheat and weeds and this parable opens with two so two farmers or two men that two people that sow two seeds and two sowings the parable of the wheat and weeds Jesus says to the people, i spy with my little eye for the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seeds in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master. Did you not sow good seeds in your field? Like, what kind of master will sow weeds? How then does it have weeds? He says to them, an enemy has done this. So the servants say to him, then then do we, do you want us to go and gather them? Do you want us to go and gather the weeds? But the master, he says, no, no. If you do so, at least gathering the weeds, you will also uproot the weed also. Let both grow together until harvest. And at harvest time, I will send the reapers. And he was, and I would say, gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the weed into my barn. You see, the weeds and the weeds are sown in the same field together. The wheat by the farmer during the day, during the regular normal work hours, and, and the weeds by enemy done at nighttime when no one can see. And here's the thing about the weeds. The, the, mass, the farmer Of the land that won't even know the weeds have been planted until they grow up. And that won't happen until harvest time, when they begin to grow up alongside of the wheat. You see, they they both are going to grow and mature together side by side. And, And their roots are so intertwined that it means that the farmer cannot remove the weeds without also uprooting the wheat. So he has to wait until harvest time to separate the weeds from his wheat. So what is Jesus spying with his little eye about the kingdom of heaven in this particular parable? Thankfully, he explains it. He explains what he sees. He explains it to the 12 disciples in in private, away from the crowd in someone else's house. And the disciples come to Jesus saying, explain to us the parable of the wheat and weeds of the field. And he explains it to them and also to us. He shares. What he sees with his little eye about the kingdom of heaven in this parable. Jesus sees that the farmer who sows good seed is the son of man. And the son of man is no other than Jesus himself. Amen. He sees with his little eye. That the field is the world, this world, this planet, our earth with her seven continents. He sees that. He sees that the good seeds he sows is the son and daughters of the kingdom. And he sows them. They don't sow themselves. He does it. He sees that the weeds are the sons and daughters of the evil one. And the one who sows them is his enemy, the devil. And he sees that. Jesus sees with his little eye that, that, that the children of the kingdom and the children of the devil are all sown together in the same field. They grow and mature side by side, working together, playing together, living in the same neighborhood together, maybe even going to the same church together, eating in the same places, shopping in the same uh, restaurant, uh, shopping centers, Fighting for the same social issues like justice and equality. But eventually, both will be known by their fruit. Weeds will be shown to be weeds. And the wheat will be shown to be wheat. Eventually, our true color shine through. Jesus sees with his little eye. Harvest time is approaching. Because, you know, Jesus is not sitting up in glory worrying about the weeds. I mean, he doesn't have to worry because he knows harvest time is coming. You see, he sees with his little eye angels serving as weepers of the harvest. And and do y'all know what the angels are going to do when the Son of Man sends them into his field? They will harvest the weeds and the wheat. But the weeds and the wheat will not go to the same place. The weeds will be separated from the wheat. By the weepers. And this, saints, is judgment. Judgment. Jesus sees with his little eye that the angels he's going to send, gathering out of his kingdom all the sons and daughters of the evil one. Gathering out of his kingdom all causes of, of sin and and law and lawbreakers. The angels are, are going to clean them out. Throw them, to, throw them into the fiery furnace. A place where there would be weeping and a gnashing of teeth. Notice he says he would gather them out of his kingdom. Well, what does he mean by that? You see, we inherit the kingdom as, as, as God's people. And when, when, when Christ returns, there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And in that new earth, it's only going to be sons and daughters of the king. And we, it says here, will shine like the sun. In the kingdom of their father. Do you want to shine like the sun this morning? Do you? If you have saving faith in Jesus, then then you will shine at harvest time when Christ returns. I mean you don't have to worry. But if you don't have faith in him, then you are weed. But the good news is is that Jesus is a merciful farmer. He has the power to do something that miracle grow won't do. He can change weeds into wheat. And if you don't understand that, you really don't understand redemption. He changed weeds into wheat through his because of his life, his death, and his resurrection. All you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. All you have to do is repent of your sin and believe in your heart that, that He is your Lord and your Savior and that he, and he will rescue you from the judgment that is to come because harvest time is coming. None of us are living forever. One day, every human being on the face of this earth will stand before her Maker, their Maker, and we will give an account. And all the fathers are going to want to know is, did you know my son? I don't care about all you. I don't know. Did you know him? Did you have faith in him? So you can come to Jesus. And when you come to him, you will be a beloved son and daughter in God's kingdom. For Jesus is the way. He's not one of many ways. He's the only way. The promised way, the long-anticipated way, the fulfillment way, the priestly way the prophetic way, the kingly way, the suffering way, the resurrection way, the redemptive way, the merciful way, the justice way, the wholeness way, the forgiveness way, and the flourishing way, the peaceful way. Notice I didn't say easy. Because it ain't easy. But you can have peace. If you want to have life, and have it abundantly. Then Jesus is your only option. And what does what, what one hymn say? On Christ a solid rock you can stand, right? All other grounds. Or sinking sand. When he shall come with the trumpet sound. Oh, may you and him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. Submit and surrender your life to Jesus today. And one day you will stand before the throne faultless because you'll be clothed in his righteousness. Again, you will bow either now or later. The atheist one day will bow is either now or later. Jesus is giving you opportunity to bow now. He's giving you opportunity to come to him now. In the 2012 science fiction film, Prometheus, an android named David delivers a great quote he takes from the film, Lawrence of Arabia. It says, big things have small beginnings. Big things have small beginnings. This is what Jesus sees with his little eye about the kingdom of heaven in the parable of the mustard seed. He says to the crowd on the beach, I spy with my little eye that the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sold in his field. This is a garden variety uh, seed called a black mustard, and it's the smallest of all seeds in Palestine. It is one to two uh, millimeters in diameter. It it takes 750 uh, mustard seeds to weigh one gram. So it's small. And Jesus said, it's the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, and it grown it is the larger. It's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Jesus is making a contrast here. I hope you see it. A contrast between seed and, and plant. The mustard seed is small, but will eventually grow into something much larger. When it matures, it can become a tree. It it can grow as high as eight to twelve feet. Big things do have small beginnings. And same is true the kingdom of heaven and God's world rule. Jesus sees with his Lord eye that the kingdom of heaven begins small with his earthly ministry, but it will continue to grow long after he ascends into glory. Please know the kingdom didn't stop when Jesus went, went to heaven. It didn't. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't stop. It continued, even though he was not going to physically be here on earth to see it continue. He's still overseeing it. The kingdom of heaven appears to be unimportant and insignificant, but it will spread throughout the world. And, it, and we're benefiting that. You please know Christianity didn't start in America. <laughs> we're testimonies of the fact that the kingdom has spread. started small. But it has grown. And it should also give us a little humility. That means the kingdom is not dependent upon the church in America. I don't care how much money you send to missions, it's not dependent upon you, it's dependent upon God. It's His kingdom, not ours. And it will be great and is great. And Jesus also sees His little eye that the kingdom of heaven embraces all people all people people from every nation, tribe and language will be like birds of the air. They will come and make their nests, nests in the branches of this kingdom. All of them will. So if you're thinking that your the kingdom is only made up of your culture, your church and denomination, your theological tradition, then you are wrong. You're wrong. God is God of the world, not of the United States. He's God of the world. Like, if you say that, like, your God is this big. Yeah, that's, that's your box. I'm God of the world, in case you didn't know. That's who I am. That's who he is. In Matthew, 11, Matthew 8, verse 11, Listen, listen to what Christ says. He says, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Do you see what he's saying there? The kingdom is for all people. It's not just for the Jews. It's for Gentiles, too. You better be grateful for that, Gentiles. That is it's for us, too. The kingdom invitation, it spreads throughout the whole world as believers, listen, engage in missions and evangelism and deeds of mercy. Now, we, God doesn't need that, but he uses it. He uses it. The gospel goes forward. And when sinners repent and receive Jesus and save in faith, they are adopted into God's kingdom as beloved sons and daughters. Those are the birds that build their nests. In the kingdom of heaven. Are you a bird building your nest? Or are you trying to build your nest in the kingdom that you're building? Because as Christians in America, we have first world problems. We don't have problems of a persecuted church. So we have options. We can build our nest in other kingdoms. And we do. And we do. Do you know what tree are you actually living on? Bird? Little bird, little bird. Where is your nest? Where is your nest? Where do you go home every night, little bird? Where do you fly to, little bird, in the evening? Where are you? Finally, in his last I Spy parable game, Jesus says, I spy with my little eye that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid and three measures of flour. I don't know if you noticed this, how in these two parables, Jesus uses a man and a woman in these two parables to show that the kingdom, again, is for all people. For all people. It's there in the text. All you got to do is see it. Now, that wasn't in my notes. I lost my train. of thought, okay. Jesus says, I spar with my little eye that, 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 that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till all was leaven. This is a daily. This is a. This is a daily life story of a woman baking a lot of bread. She takes a small amount of leaven and mixes it in with a lot of a lot of flour, probably about 32 um, liters of flour. That's a lot. And the focus of this parable is on what happens when the leaven is put in the batch of dough. It affects the dough. It causes it to grow and to rise when it bakes. One theologian puts it this way. The parable also makes the point that the power that affects the change comes from outside the dough. The mass of dough does not change itself. Jesus sees with his little eye the hidden and internal power of God's kingdom that affects the world around it, that affects the world around it. Do you know what that means? It means the kingdom of heaven is about cosmic redemption, not simply individual salvation. It means the kingdom of heaven is much bigger than individual sinners getting saved and going to heaven. It means that, but it's much bigger than that. It's about God renewing all things that have been broken by the fall. And what Christ is saying, that change is happening right now. That redemption is taking place right now. And so the power of the kingdom, it touches every sector and segment of life. It's the leaven that that mixes in with the dough of the world, and it brings about cosmic redemption. So it means wherever God has his people, the kingdom of heaven needs to also be there. Guess what? If people aren't Christians, then they can't do this. Now, can they? Can they? Think about it. There are Christians serving in every sector and segment of society in America. But how many of them are letting their light shine there? How many? Name some places where they are Christian serving. There are Christians in D.C., But are they willing to count the cost of what it means to really stand for truth and justice? There's Christians in every police department in America. But are they really, are they really being salt and light there for the bad apples? See, we are the ones, we allow secular movements to do what the church has been called to do. And then we sit back and judge them for that effort, and we ain't doing a dang thing ourselves. What? At least they're trying. Schools are bad. Well, Christian, go be salt and light. Cops are bad. Well, go be a cop and be a good one. It's easy to sit back and throw stones stones from the bench. It's easy to set aside and criticize people who are actually in the arena while you're sitting on the sideline thinking, man, I can throw that pass. We're all Monday, Monday, Monday morning quarterbacks. And a lot of us Christians function that way. We'll sit back and judge the world for trying to make the world a better place when we're the ones who have the message. We are the ones who have been commissioned with the gospel. We are the ones who are beloved sons and daughters. We gotta stop. At, we gotta stop expecting unbelievers to do what we have been commissioned to do. Be the, as Gandhi said, "Be the change you want to see." You are the eleven, and wherever God has you, that is your sphere of influence. You don't live in Chicago. You don't live in Minnesota. You don't live in Indianapolis. You don't live in Africa. You don't live. You live here in Huntsville. That's where you live. And you work at a certain place in Huntsville. You shop at a certain place in Huntsville. You live in a certain neighborhood in Huntsville. Again, I'll preach it to myself. That's your sphere of influence. You don't live. Many of you don't live in Lincoln Village. But you live somewhere. And brokenness is everywhere in this city. All you got to do is open up your eyes to see. There's brokenness in this church. All you got to do is open up your eyes and see. So as you throw stones at other people, get one and throw it at yourself because you're just as guilty. Dr. King said, I'm going to close with this. I don't ramble enough. The gospel is a two-way road. On one hand, it seeks to change the soul of men, whereby uniting them with God, but on the other hand, it seeks to change the environmental conditions of men so the soul will have a chance after it is saved. The church in America, the evangelical church, only does one of that. And anybody that does the other thing, they're considered being social gospel. The gospel does both. And if you're not doing both, then you don't believe the gospel. You ain't living the gospel. You ain't doing none of the gospel. It does both. Because the kingdom does both. It's right here in the parable. David says, I said I was going to stop, but I changed my mind. David said that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Is he telling the truth or is he lying? So that means we we can see people delivered. We can see change. We can fix broken systems. It ain't ever gonna be perfect, but sitting back on our on our butts waiting for the harvest time is just lazy. <laughs> We have, All of us have a decision to make. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit. In my sphere of influence, help me to be salt and light for the kingdom. And, and here's what it really means. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Period. We make it so hard. It is hard loving people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Ask the Spirit to help you to do that. Ask him. And guess what? He will. He'll give you what you need. But first, you just got to tell the truth. Be honest. Just say, I don't want to love people. At least those people. I'm comfortable in my comfortable Christianity. Now, you can't move forward if you don't actually own where you actually are. Just tell the truth. God already knows. He just want to hear you say it. Because when you say it, you finally admit it. Yep, that, that's me. I'm there. But you know what, Father? I don't want to be there any longer. Help my unbelief. And he will. Let us pray. Father, thank you for um, for what you're doing. In and through your kingdom, in and through your people who are sometimes a hot mess. But we've always been a hot mess. And yet the kingdom still grows. The kingdom is still moving. And guess what? It's going to continue to move when we're all dead and gone. So I thank you for this short amount of time that you have given us the privilege to participate in your good work that you're doing in our community, in our neighborhoods. Listen, we don't live all over the world. We live here in this space and this time. So help each of us to be salt and light where you have us for your glory. And I pray for all of this. In Christ's name, amen. Will you please stand for the, the Lord's benediction? And if you are a guest, a first-time guest, thank you so much for being here face-to-face. And, and if you're um, a guest online, thank you for being here. Also, if you're interested in learning more about the Village Church, please let us know. You can email Cynthia at Cynthia at enterthevillage.net. And if you're tuning in online, if you want to learn more about the Village Church, we'll be we'll, we'll give you information as well. Now here is God's benediction to his beloved people. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of uh, uh, before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and all God's people said, amen. Please greet one another, saints.